I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Consequence Podcast Network. Welcome to State of the Empire, Consequence of Sound's Star Wars speculation podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places. Hi, I'm Cap. Hey, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Matt. And this episode, <laughs> we're, t- we're talking about Denny's Han Solo menu <laughs> and-, and a bunch of other stuff. If you didn't catch our prior episodes, there's been a little bit of brand synergy happening. We have a deal with Solo Cups are promoting Han Solo. They're going to help us solo-rate this new movie. And also, Denny's has a special Han Solo menu, which all of us have now sampled from. In fact, Doug and I, we enjoyed a six-course Han Solo menu at Denny's today. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> we ordered the whole thing. We're going to go into that shortly, but we have a bunch of other Solo news. But hey, don't worry. We keep all of the most intense rumors, the rumors that you might not want to hear if you're wanting to go into Han Solo blindly. Well, then that's fine. We keep all the spoilers safely behind the blast doors. Yeah, you don't have to freeze yourself in carbonite. <laughs> Going yeah. in blind, going in fresh. Just unthaw me when Solo comes out. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, as of this episode's release, a Han Solo trailer dropped. Inexplicably, Star Wars Twitter announced trailer tomorrow. That is Sunday, April 8th, out of nowhere, attached to I don't know what on a Sunday when no one is prepared for it. I think they want people talking about it on Monday at work. You know, it's like, did you see that Solo trailer yesterday? Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Anyway, so we're, as a collective, not necessarily going to be able to talk about that, but I'm going to insert something in regards to it right here. Well, this is one of the most exciting Star Wars trailers of the Disney era. There's so much to unpack in it. Like, there's so much going on. There's been trailers that uh, that made me cry, like seeing Han Solo again for the first time. Involuntary reaction could not even control myself. There was the ominousness of the Rogue One trailer with the klaxon and the Rebel base, but... As far as like just a trailer trailer, like not a teaser trailer, not a trailer that has any kind of emotional resonance just for a fun movie, we haven't seen anything like this so far. <laughs> yeah. It looks fun. Like this is the most fun. That is the optimum word here. I think that, and I think that's what they're banking on. I think that's what they wanted and hopefully what we're going to get in the end. This looks like a movie set in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it has familiar characters, but it's got a balance of charm and severity and there's humor in this, and I'm not like, oh, gosh, obligatory, you know, Marvel-esque beats ruining every scene. It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't, I mean, you know, the proof will be when we see the actual movie, but it seems like really well put together. Right, and I guess that's what, what's nice about this is in this era of Star Wars universe, like, the rules are already set. The powers are already, like, we're not wondering, you know, like, where the chess pieces are. It's just, you know, the Empire's in control, and it's always been the best sandbox for further stories in Star Wars is like a firmly entrenched empire. And I think to make a trailer that kind of reminds you like, oh yeah, we're just going to go into the theater and like have fun. You know, like there's very little stakes. 
And I think that's the problem is a lot of people have put a lot of, you know, emotional investment into these previous movies. But you're saying there shouldn't be? I mean, because clearly there should be. Unfortunately, I think that it's like handled poorly, but they, right. don't, they don't have to have high stakes for this because we know the characters are at least we know some of the characters are going to be fine. Yeah. And I don't necessarily mean like survivability stakes, but simply that, you know, the fate of the universe is not on the line here. Right. You know, right. like we're not wondering what's going to happen to the Jedi Order and, <laughs> and and the Skywalker, you know, lineage and all these things. It's just here's Han committing yeah. crimes and we're going to have some fun. Rogue One was at its strongest when it was just living the life of being expanded universe content, but a major motion picture. And this right. looks like nothing but. Yep. A hundred percent that. Corellia looks 100% like Los Angeles in Blade Runner. <laughs> it's it's gorgeous. And Han is, you know, he's clearly like he's in the gutter. And there's a reoccurring sequence we see an awful lot of. I don't know if it's <laughs> in this episode that we recorded. Uh, we're going to talk about a Denny's commercial. And it, <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll just say that. But there's a lot of content here that I, this doesn't appear to be the location from the Denny's commercial. But it features a lot of characters from the Denny's commercial. Right. So this might become the second most famous cantina in all Star Wars. <laughs> and I got the impression that we see an exterior later on in the trailer that, that has like a big mammoth skull over mm -hmm. and it's in the snowy zone. And the way it's cut together, it gives the impression that perhaps this cantina is up in this mountainside. And this guy could just be editing, but I'm not sure. Um, it looks like a very rough place. It actually kind of reminds me of a less open version of that roadhouse from willow oh yeah yeah i i, I can yeah I, I see that you know it's very smoky it's dim but it has high ceilings it looks like it's worldly like the moss Eisley cantina is a watering hole and this looks like it's full of explorers and shit mm -hmm. they've got like a dude in a spacesuit with like a big dome helmet and some guy wearing kind of a constable zuvio hat and a huge cycloptic dude it's just full of aliens, and there's Lando Calrissian as soon as Han Solo walks in, like, <laughs> shoving chips his way. This is something I've always wanted to see. Then we also see a scene with Kira speaking to Han, kind of, like, reuniting, and Han's clearly in a posh place where he shouldn't be. And Kira appears to be doing very well for herself, but is probably being a scoundrel in her own right. The context is a bit flimsy, but we're also we're seeing Paul Bettany's character for the first time. With some really cool facial makeup. Yeah, it's like this kind of like almost tire tread like scarring. Mm -hmm. There's Han wearing an Imperial vest of some kind, talking to an Imperial officer, saying how he's he's a great driver and he's a great pilot. So like, this might be him like trying to like either get his way up the ladder or get his way out of some kind of trouble he got himself in. And we see a little bit of the chase with Moloch, which is cool. There's also there's a very brief shot of what looks like uh, ATSTs being dropped into a battle zone. Yes. And it looks like that's Mimban, I think, like where the mud troopers will be. And I guess maybe Han is part of a was he part of an Imperial battle at some point during his like brief Imperial career? It's possible because the whole point of you seeing the clip is seeing the recognizable silhouette of an ATST kind of being deployed from something. But mm -hmm. later on in the in the trailer, you'll see clips from a battle scene it's hot it's heavy it's like a, on a red earth planet of some kind there's turned up ATAT feet or like smaller than ATAT feet but walker feet of some kind there's clearly a huge star war somewhere a, a ground battle somewhere in this movie but yeah where it is i mean i'm not even sure there's also a lot of battles i think it looks like we're seeing clips of the prison break on kessel but Hmm. just fragments of it not enough to really like you know see like i recognize this scene but lots of people running around 
and mountains. There's a clip where uh, L3 says something like, I'm really glad we took this job or something like that. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's in that sequence. You're seeing clips of these these bigger battle things happening. And I'm, I'm really not sure about the staging of them. There's a scene where Chewie grabs a dude and flips him. And that's for sure in the Spice Mines. It looks very um, subterranean. Yes. I wonder how long we'll go before we understand the sequence of events. Like this, this trailer didn't give me any more indication of what that's going to be in a good way. It's still mysterious. Like they left enough out there for me to just kind of, I'd be okay if this is the last trailer. I want to see this movie now. I want to buy the tickets. I'm so shocked they're not on sale yet. Right. The scene where Lando's like leaning back and a little droid is filling his drink and he's saying like everything you've heard about me is true is perfect. Yeah. Uh, Chewie hugging another Wookiee. What's going on there? Oh, God. Are we going to meet Chewie's family? Uh, Yeah, who do you think it is? Are we going to mention Life Day in this movie? Like, (laughs) is this this the replacement for the holiday special? (laughs) (laughs) Well, hey, I mean, maybe if, uh, you know, maybe if this movie does end at A New Hope, at the very least we can get Akmina expertly added in with Disney's techniques to resurrect B. Arthur for her final performance. Oh, my God. I would pay so much money to see that. Out of all the things they could have resurrected, they, they, they do be Arthur. That'd be amazing. Hell yeah, it would. Looks like we have a, some sort of a lightsaber dagger type thing. I'm trying to figure out how that device works. I've watched that one a couple times. It looks like Paul Bettany like activating some sort of like lightsaber brass knuckles. Yeah, it seems a lot like maybe the, um, the Vibra Blade, like the, the Crimson Guard use in The Last ah, Jedi. Okay. And uh, also, we got the the range troopers in full effect on the conveyx with maglock boots, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Han notably does not have such posh equipment, but I could see this being a very neat, very uh, three dimensional kind of a fight sequence. Ah, oh, that'd be amazing. I mean, Star Wars is still, even to this date, has not had the most overly elaborate. Like we've certainly had great fight choreography and just like you know, vehicular action, I think, but there's been very little in regards to like very elaborate stunt sequences, you know, mm. jumping and things that you would see more in a, in an actual swashbuckling film. I mean, I guess maybe the sail barge assault might be the most that we've ever gotten. Yeah. And uh, it'd be amazing to see like a really elaborate, like some crazy stunts on, you know, a, a train involving multiple levels and things like that. That's what it looks like this is promising. So that's exciting. You know what I think is one of the most telling moments of this whole trailer is han at the helm of the falcon looking kind of giddy and saying i've got a good feeling about this because you know (laughs) that's gonna get beaten out of you kid (laughs) Uh and also the moment with han realizing how old chewie is is good i mean it's funny but it's also kind of dry yeah and also one of those weird things that's always been known to the fans that he's that old but has never been addressed you know in a, a way that could speak to general audiences about it so I think that's kind of a fun way to, to bring that up. Yeah. Is that Chewie is that much older than, you know, all of the human characters in the original trilogy. So that's uh, that's all we got. And Matt and I were the only ones who could make it onto this. But uh, Doug said it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> and that means a lot coming from Doug. I feel like you can add like three or four extra factors of actual fun because of the trepidation that he has about this film. He's just being cautious. Yeah. And understandably. Yeah. Because I mean, hey. There's a lot to get excited about from what they've shown us. A lot. This looks like a, a genuinely fun, authentically Star Wars smuggler expanded universe film. But it could still be a steaming pile. Uh, don't say that. It could be, Matt. It could be. Prepare yourself. But it doesn't look like one yet. No, not at all. So, I mean, th- that might be saying a lot. Um, anyway, 
We've got a great episode uh, coming up for you. We got a little bit more insights about character names and other details. But anyway, uh, let's get on with the rest of the episode. So we don't know what was just said. We don't know any of the things that were just spoken of. Here's the episode as it is on the day before this surprise trailer drop. But (laughs) we're still going to have a lot of fun. And we're going to talk about the ridiculous food that we ate at Denny's. Now, we knew this Denny's food was coming, but we weren't prepared for the actually amazing commercial that came with it a live action commercial using a ton of creature props we'll link to it on this episode's page along with links to everything else we're talking about and uh if this is a symbol of like what's to come in terms of solo well this is one of the most this denny's commercial is one of the most star wars things i've seen since disney bought lucasfilm i i enjoyed the music more than the two like cantina songs that we've gotten in force awakens and uh last jedi yeah for sure it, I I'm, I really I really hope so. And also in this we see we we see pans through this cantina. There's all these like aliens and so on. Uh, but it's it's nice. It's not it's not overdone. It's it's just the right amount of weird. And uh, and then we see an even younger Han Solo and Lando children playing sabacc or something. And um, and then it transitions into they're actually playing with trading cards at Denny's. But whoever casted this commercial, bravo! It made me wonder. Actually wonder. Are we going to see child Han Solo in the movie, a child Lando? And are these the are these the actors? Because they looked perfect. They were great, but I sincerely hope we don't see anyone that young. <laughs> like, yeah, just I, I hope so weird. too. Maybe that's the moment where we see Han and Lando's parents killed by Vader. That's the biggest fear that I have about this movie is that like Han and Lando have like personal investment in the Empire Rebellion fight. Let's hope not, because I would because, cheapen the characters. Well, it also make no sense. Why would Lando ever get into a deal for Cloud City with the Empire to keep them out when it's just like, you kill my father? You know, like, you would never <laughs> maybe, do it. Maybe, maybe Vader gave him a good deal early on. And then it just got worse all the time. And it just got worse. <laughs> the deal had That's been Lando's on. struggle is that he's been getting, like, worse deals for, like, 20 years <laughs> from Vader. Well, geez, if it started with his parents getting killed, he's like, I wish yeah. you were, Mom, Dad, I hate you. I wish you were dead. And Vader's like, I can help you with that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean it. Oh, but young Lando, think of all the freedom you have now. <laughs> you think you're being treated unfairly? <laughs> I didn't even have a dad. I was conceived by a bantha. Man, you're crazy. <laughs> so, so Denny's, it does, it's, this, this trailer let us in on, it's not just a menu, it's, cups with millennium falcon lids character cups and also a whole set of trading cards and you can get all the solo stuff there now through june 26th this was a whole we knew it was going to happen but it was a whole surprise rollout and these trading cards they're a bit pricey and you only get two cards per package two character cards but they're actually a charity deal proceeds go towards uh, the no kid hungry child hunger charity and also it comes with coupons in these uh, in these card packs for Denny's stuff. Yeah, random, but you know, some good ones. Rant, including one that got us 20% off of our bill. Yeah. Wait, what? I didn't know this. I would have bought a pack of trading cards. Yeah. Well, you missed out. <sighs> you know when you said uh it's not just a menu, I thought you were leading in with it's not just a menu, it's a lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a lifestyle. It is a very unhealthy lifestyle, it but a, it's, it's it's a pop rock lifestyle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you participated in the Hobbit menu, but I, I'm willing to say it's a lifestyle. Like, I have a lot of fun for some reason eating these like novelty movie menus. Like, if Denny's wants to continue with this, like, please do. 
Like, they should have a menu for every big movie. I got to say, though, from my memory of The Hobbit one was that it was better. Like, that, like, like when, you, it was. when you read the descriptions, it was. you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Whereas the descriptions yep. for these are just like, what does this guy do with Star Wars? Like, what does pancakes have to do with Star Wars? You yeah. Know? What, what's a, what's a co-reactor? Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a good question. So we, we have to dig in to these entrees because there may actually be some degree of solo plot. That's a stretch. Or, or, or detail. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I know it's a stretch, but but here's what's up. So anyway, the, the trading cards, there are some character reveals on there. We're going to go into those in a moment. But first and foremost, the food. We're going to review this food. The star of the solo menu is the co-reactor pancake breakfast. Yeah. That's co-reactor. No clue what that means. That's not a recognizable Star Wars anything. So I have to assume that that is something from the plot of significance. Co-reactor. That seems like a smoking gun because otherwise, what are they even getting at if it doesn't mean anything? Yeah, why not just call it... Reactor pancakes? Or just, yeah, Kessel, Kessel Run pancakes. Right. Like Why not? So this is two buttermilk pancakes topped with fresh strawberries, strawberry sauce, and whipped cream, plus a side of crystal crunch rocks and a pitcher of warm citrus sauce to pour over your pancakes and make them go pop. So other than being gluten-free, I didn't know anything about the crystal crunch rocks. What were those? Wait, you didn't have this, Matt? You didn't eat? No, I, I, didn't, ha- I didn't have that item. Oh. I had the, um, I was about to call it the Smaug Burger. Um, <laughs> it was the same thing. Uh, the uh, Blaster Fire Burger? Yes, the Blaster Fire Burger. Thank well, you. These crystals are Pop Rocks. Yeah, Crystal Crunch Rocks oh. are Pop Rocks. In fact, I have some spare ones here. Can you hear that? It's the real thing. <laughs> Sounds like a little Mustafar in your mouth. <laughs> Feels like it too. <laughs> Can we confirm Mustafar in the movie based on this? Maybe Vader's castle scene. <laughs> oh God! With with the gargoyle from the from the script. Yeah. Yeah, we have to draw conclusions. Like at least one conclusion from the menu. You've convinced <laughs> me based on this co-reactor thing. Well, I, I no, I mean like, but you could argue. Oh well, what there's the co-reactor is that you have this, you have the pop rocks, and they're re- they're activated by the syrup and your mouth. It's still going, <laughs> but but it's such a weird word. It's it's not like I th- I think that there might be um, what they're getting on the conveyx is they're 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 trying to get the co reactor and the co reactor is going to help them do the Kessel Run. Oh, well, so they're going to steal something to make the Kessel Run? Yeah. How much money you get for winning the Kessel Run? Is it a contest? Yeah, I think it's just a smuggling route. They're stealing so they can smuggle. Crystal Crunch Rocks. They're smuggling Crystal Crunch Rocks. <laughs> there's there's going to be a scene with Lando. He's going to be at Dexter Jetster's diner. Oh, Dexter Jetster's going to be an old like man. Heaven. And he's going to be sitting there with some other weird freaky alien types. And the weird freaky alien type is going to like, you know, and he's like pointing at it. He goes, hey, don't bogot my Crystal Rocks. Hand them over. Like, that's, <laughs> you know I can't eat it. And then he, I and can't then have my pancakes sip, without he's it. He's going to sip out of a Denny's cup with his own face on it. Yeah. <laughs> Hello, what have we here? <laughs> I do think the co-reactor is a thing. I think that is going to be a thing of some kind. Because otherwise, I, 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 I can't explain it. It's it's a stupidly named product that could have been so easy. Yeah, I, I really don't know what co-reactor means. Like, plenty of reactors in Star Wars. I have no idea what co-reactor and, means. And given the nature of this being a heist film, I and I assume that because it takes place over at least three time periods, there's going to be multiple heists. This is going to be the central focus for a major heist in the film. Fair, fair guess. And the Crystal Crunch Rocks can also, you can, you can order them to stick them in any milkshake as well. 
Yeah. Um, now, reviews of the co-reactor pancake breakfast. Doug, what'd you think? It was actually my favorite part of the entire thing. I was very skeptical. I was very. I, I'm. I, I walked into Denny's like dragging my, you know, like dragging my feet. You're like, come on, Doug, we're gonna have a celebration. I'm like, all right, just cool your jets. It's a burger and some eggs, you know, and it's just it's some shit. But uh, I gotta say, with all the weird combinations of everything and all the things that make no sense, pop rocks on pancakes was actually very interesting. I was I was actually very surprised. Make no mistake, this is a dessert. This is not a breakfast type of pancake. This is a dessert best shared between two people. Yeah, if if you thought to yourself, well, you know, pancakes are like the good for you, bad for you kind of breakfast food. Yeah. They're not like a sugary bowl of cereal that's actually bad for you. This is a good for you, bad for you. These are not. This is like one ice cream scoop away from being a full-fledged dessert. In fact, it is a full-fledged dessert because you put fucking candy on it. Yeah, it's candy, whipped cream, and syrup. And like and like strawberry syrup it's like if you take away the pancakes and just put ice cream in it it's just a fucking ice cream you know it's just it's just a dessert well, with- the, the thing is you're, there's two syrups there's strawberry sauce on and, the pancakes yeah, and, there's and there's warm citrus syrup yeah you put if you remove the pancakes put ice cream underneath it do it a la mode what, what more do you want i mean that sounds amazing I'm, i want to do that now <laughs> but uh yeah i would say if you do go to denny's and you do want to have some solo menu stuff get whatever you want but for dessert, split the pancakes with a friend. Yeah. Because <laughs> that shit was great. You And you should not eat it by yourself. You probably won't want to. Yeah, you won't want to finish it all by yourself. But it, it was yeah. it was a lot of fun. I, it was, I, it was, I was delightful. Eating it, it's like because you have the citrus, you have the strawberries, you got the Pop Rocks, and you got the whipped cream, and you got the whatever. And as I mean, I go, Cap, this feels like I'm having a Star Wars in my mouth. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's just exploding everywhere. You just picture, you zoom in, and there's TIE Fighters and Dust well, and, and all and that these are, these are strawberry Pop Rocks or Crystal Crunch Rocks, I yeah, should so say. Yeah, so they've um, got strawberry flavor on it. Yeah, yeah but then you, you, you have a bite that is that has actual strawberry in it like juicy zesty fresh strawberry yeah and then you and then you also have this that's this complementary strawberry flavor that's artificial but still definitively strawberry and they're different kinds of bursts one is a bursty zesty flavor that tartness that can only come from a fresh fruit and the other one is is this thing that's literally like with sugar fighting you in your mouth yeah so yeah d- definitely i i'd say this is this is the must get but it's a dessert yeah these are these are, these are dessert pancakes Go get yourself a nice meal. But when yeah. you want to go for ice cream afterwards, if you're near Denny's, consider going to Denny's and ordering pancakes instead. Yeah. <laughs> now, let's talk about the Blaster Fire Burger, though. Yeah. That is pictured when you when you look at it in the menu. And there's a special solo menu, which we were not given at first. So if you Had see... Had to request it. Yeah. If, like if a you bunch want, of nerds. If you, if you want to see all the solo items, please uh, excuse do... Excuse me. Uh, we, we were here for the solo meal. Uh, yeah. where's, where's, where's the solo I, menu? I, I believe there was uh, two more entrees uh, on, on here that, that, that is listed. <laughs> I believe the, the, uh, the two-moon skillet. Uh. <laughs> so it, it's, it's pictured with these ridiculous looking things called bacon cheddar tots mm. they they look like a combo hush puppy crab fritter um but are in fact bacon cheddar tater tots and um we got those as well the so the burger uh, the burgers it's a burger and these things are i i think the bacon cheddar tots are the weird solo thing really yeah i i, I didn't care for them uh i i like them a lot but it, it it blows my mind that out of all the things that probably look the most Star Warsy, that they're the thing that didn't get a Star Warsy name. Yeah, like, like you they're just bacon cheddar tots. Call them like Raftar eggs. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's what they look like little little Raftars. Yeah, rolling around on your plate. Yeah. <laughs> and and the fire in Blaster Fire, the Blaster Fire burger is a chipotle gouda cheese, bacon, and spicy ghost pepper sauce. On top of a hand-pressed 100% beef patty, I, I, I just I abhor adjectives like that. Hand-pressed, like 
uh, uh, what? Actually, the other coupon we got, because we got two packs of trading cards, um, gave us uh, a certain percent, like 10% off of a uh, <laughs> uh, Denny's Craft Pancake. Craft Pancake. <laughs> fuck pancake. you! <laughs> fuck you. No, fuck us. We paid them a lot of money. <laughs> like... <laughs> Uh, anyway, it's got lettuce, tomato, red onions, pickles on a brioche bun. Um, it, so, and Matt, you said this is the smog burger. It was the same thing. I'm like ninety five percent certain it's the same thing. It certainly had the ghost pepper sauce. It certainly had the chipotle gouda. I don't think there was anything else that made it different. It might have had a different. It definitely didn't have the bacon cheddar tots. Well, you have to upgrade but, that side. Well, that was true. That was I thought it was weird too. Like. So maybe they're not even like part. Maybe that's just a normal menu item. Well, I don't know. They're the most Star Wars thing, though. It, okay, it's, it is possible they are a no- normal menu item. It is possible, but I looked at the si- at the list of sides and I didn't see them anywhere. So maybe that's on me. I'm not sure. Um, but they do they do look very Star Wars. They look like one of these things is not like the other. There's a hamburger and then there's these weird little spiked balls next to it. I thought that ghost pepper sauce was really good, and they didn't use remotely enough of it. Yes, I agree. I'm not big on spicy burgers, but uh, so if if you're if you're if you are like me and you don't like spicy burgers, don't order it because it's too spicy. But if you like spicy burgers, it may not be spicy enough. So, Ask for more sauce; they'll probably yeah. give it to you. Yeah. Those are the two spotlight menu items here, but there are two other menu items that are, well, they're unassuming. They're kind of just like, well, we can't have just two menu items. Yeah, these are these are just two regular Denny's menu items that they just traded sides and gave it a weird name i mean they're not on the menu but they could easily be on the menu you could order this at any time yeah probably i i, I mean don't don't quote us on that but there there's the the light speed slam which which, it, which which when it was delivered to our table said oh the light slam like like is in like lighter fare like if you look under the lighter fare section which considering it's made of what egg whites? Yeah, it's, it's our our fit slam includes egg whites scrambled together with fresh spinach and grape tomatoes, plus two turkey bacon strips, an English muffin, and seasonal fruit. Which we did not get the seasonal fruit. Yeah. This is the low calorie slam. That's all that that is. Yeah, it actually says it. It says our fit slam. So this might actually not. This might have just been a complete complete rebrand. Actually, yeah. Um, but I'll say this: it was my favorite thing we ordered. Yeah, it was the overall the best quality thing we got. I think it was delicious. <laughs> it was. It was. I would I would gladly order that. I would gladly eat that any day of the week. It was it was very tasty. You get the light slam for the meal, and then you fill up on the dessert yeah. of the pancakes. And the other thing was the two moon skillet, yeah. which is a skillet that has two sunny side up eggs on it. It's diced ham, fresh spinach, sauteed mushrooms, hash browns, uh, topped with gouda cheese sauce, cheddar cheese, and two eggs. It's just a skillet. Yeah. Is the co in co reactor pancakes maybe just because it's two pancakes? And it's just two reactor pancakes, like they're co. Why not call it cri- crystal reactor pancakes? Like it, it could be any fucking thing. Well, I'm just I'm just thinking of the two moon skillet. Like you know, well, doesn't mean two moons are part of the movie. Well, hold, but that's that's the thing though. It's two sunny side up eggs. So why not? And twi- it's a Star Wars sun, menu. Why not yeah. twin sun skillet? Which right. which makes me think that they said, "What's a list of phrases we can use?" And they had co reactor, and they had two moons. And I mean, two moons is reaching, but I think it's fair to say we could pro- we're going to see a planet with two moons on it. That just makes sense. Uh, is this going to be like that? Take let's take this fight to the skies. Let's take this fight like, to the skies, Doug. 
<laughs> it's just gonna be i'm waiting for the whole movie for two moons just to we're be in the gonna background. be so upset <laughs> we're gonna be so upset when we find out that we could have deciphered the entire plot of this film from just the denny's menu <laughs> and we didn't try hard enough i'm looking in the encyclopedia now the only planet that has known to have two moons is this <laughs> this shit is too weird it really is like you know light speed blaster fire okay that's generic two moons co-reactor what the fuck are they talking about Maybe it was uh, two tubes. Maybe it was a misprint. It should have been two tube skillet. (laughs) He deserved a skillet, (laughs) at least. See, now it makes me upset. We didn't get a Rogue One menu. We didn't get a like. I have a lot of fun going with my friends for these novelty menus. Rogue One menu'd be depressing. Like Han Solo is gonna be fun and whimsical, hopefully. But Rogue One is like, oh, we still gonna die. (laughs) Just your last meal is what it is. Yeah, it's like you're about to go on a suicide mission. I like that. (laughs) That's all it is. It's the last meal skillet. No one would order it because they don't want it to be their last meal. And it could be like because they're on Scarif, it's like it's tropical theme. It's like a shrimp skillet or something like that. Scarif shrimp skillet. Pineapples. Like pineapple syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On on a skillet. (laughs) But yeah, the the two moons thing, it's it's fine. It's just a skillet. There's nothing going on. I didn't even notice the Gouda. Not even a little. Um Are we blind? Deploy the skillet. <laughs> <laughs> but the 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 cups are very nice. Solo, Lando, Chewie, and Kira. I kind of wanted to be randomly given one, but you get to pick which character you want. And I was the first person anyone knew that picked Kira. Yeah, <laughs> which is awesome. I was not given a choice when I got there. They actually told me we're sorry, we're out, and I was so upset. And my, you know, the the server went back and then just showed up with a Lando one. Was like, actually, we have one left, and it was Lando one, and we were all very happy that there was one left. Wow! But two Mostly days me. after it debuted, they were out <laughs> yeah. already. That's crazy. When she, when yeah. she walked after you were so upset, <laughs> you you were so upset they had no cups. She walks back and you go, you got a lot of guts coming back here after what you. <laughs> 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 she places the cup on your table. <laughs> and then I, I gave the, the Lando so style hug. So good to see you. <laughs> you old pirate. What are you doing here? In our card packs, they're lovely little cards. We got uh, Kira, Chewbacca, a mud trooper, and Argus, six eyes, Panox. We've seen this character before. But we've never had a name before. Why do they call him six eyes? Actually, what's interesting is a lot of people are upset that they did a grand with a different amount of eyes because they're like, oh, we've never seen a grand with like more than I think four eyes before. You know, like is he a grand? I mean, like he he has six eyes, and I j- I just didn't assume that it was the same species. I figured it was just another multi-eyed alien. I mean, maybe. I mean, I think maybe just the assumption of the eye stalks has led myself and others to think that he 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 or she is a grand. But the fact that the nickname Six Eyes seems to think that, that is like a particularly you know something that's out of you know something that's a miss right. for that species. We first saw this character in a Warwick Davis, Lord and Miller charity video behind the scenes filming uh, uh, Solo. He was the first thing we ever saw of the film, actually, in a way. Hmm. Um, so, so I uh, he he was in he was featured in the the video in the Cantina sequence, um, and there was also some some other characters. Here's the full rundown of the cards: Han, Lando, Chewie, Kira, L three seven, Val from uh, from Beckett's gang. Mud Trooper, Range Trooper, Enfy's Nest, who we're going to have a lot more information about behind the blast doors in this episode. Moloch, who previously we'd only seen as a Lego minifigure. Um, Argus, and Therm Scissor Punch. <laughs> if Therm Scissor Punch isn't your new favorite Star Wars alien random dude, then 
what is wrong with you? This guy is a crawdad man who we see guzzling down noodles in the Denny's video, and his last name is Scissor Punch. Reminds me of Mark <laughs> Hamill's other great role as uh, Cockknocker. Yep. <laughs> Why do they call you Cockknocker? Interesting story. <laughs> so that's all the cards, though. There's no Beckett. There's no Paul Bettany's character. There is Val, but there's no Beckett. Hmm. Isn't that odd? Yeah. All this new information that keeps coming out, like, keeps on readjusting in my mind how all these characters potentially fit in as, like, are they, like, really prevalent or are they, like, main antagonists or, or sidekicks? It's strange how we don't know who's where at this point, I guess. Or maybe Woody Harrelson's just like, I ain't signing my likeness away to Danny's. No, you don't have a choice about that. You signed that Star Wars contract. <laughs> no, it's, no, it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your face is not your own anymore. <laughs> they laser scan your face and they can repurpose it for whatever they want till eternity. 30 years after what if you that, die, What if that was the it. one stipulation that he had, though, was it was just Denny's in particular. Like, he has a problem with it. <laughs> My mom died from food poisoning at Denny's. I ain't having it. <laughs> I wonder if maybe it's because the character ends up being too sinister. Maybe he does something that's, like, so horrible. More sinister than a mud trooper? Mud trooper, just yeah. a, stro- a dirty stormtrooper. Or just, or what if, yeah, what if, we are what if Woody like... Nelson's character, what, what if Beckett is just not that much in the film? Like it's really the story of of Han and Kira and Val and, Thur- and Therm Scissor Punch. You never. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Well, you know, it could have. He's only in a handful of scenes. We don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe that trailer will show us something different. I mean, hey, I understand them not wanting to have another human character, and if they do have another human character, going with like an African American female. But also, I'm under the impression Beckett's a major character in this movie, and I could be wrong, but I just I think it's odd. It's very odd. Now, Enfy's Nest we learned last episode is rolling with the Cloud Riders. Well, if you want to see the Cloud Riders in action, maybe you've already seen it in this new solo trailer. I don't know. But (laughs) there is a French car commercial for the Renault Kajar. (laughs) And we'll link to it on this episode's page. It is a badass commercial. Yeah, we've seen car commercials tied in with Star Wars before. We're like, what the fuck? What is this? What does this have to do with Star Wars? And why do they do that? You know, it's just strange. This actually is like a little, it's like a little adventure, a little fun, little, little short film. Yeah, Chewie's on the back of the conveyor shooting at Cloud Rider dudes who are like doing tricks in and around this car. Yeah, like they're just trying to avoid the car to get to the conveyor, and it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's 2018, scene. and I, I'm seeing swoop bikes on t- television. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> And there's one dude who has this really cool like moon on his helmet, kind of like a samurai helmet sort of thing. Mm. I'm I'm all about it. I can't I'm I can't wait to see more cloud riders. And um, some people in France aren't going to have to wait too long because it's going to premiere early there. Solo's coming to Cannes, May fifteenth. Official selection: the third film in all of Star Wars to do so after Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith. Oddly enough, I guess it's because it's the right time of year for it is ultimately what it boils down to. Those are the last two Star Wars films that yeah. came out in May. Going there is just a marketing thing to say, oh, it premiered at Con. It premiered, oh, really? And then, then I, I, I already predicted. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, they're going to say it's going to be on the cover of Variety or Hollywood Reporter. Standing ovation for Solo, a Star Wars story. It's hard for me to believe. Like, that's definitely why they're doing it. But it's hard for me to believe that they can make more money by it having, like, a good reception at Cannes. You know, like, I don't think it would with general it's audiences, gonna... though. But that's what I mean. Like, people are going to see this movie regardless. Like, I think, like, I mean, it'd be hard to convince people in marketing departments of this because, you know, they have to do jobs. But, like, however much money Solo will probably make is probably already written in stone. Like, we obviously don't know what that is. But either people are going to be interested in it or they're not. Like, 
unless the movie is like exceptional. But no one's even going to buy that because when you say there's it's a return to glory or something, if it's that good, people say, oh, they said that about Last Jedi. They said that about Rogue One. They said that about Force Awakens. They even said it about Revenge of the Sith. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's cool that it'll screen ahead of time and you'll get people doing reviews. Yeah, I mean, but but I feel like all of the reviews included are just Disney's way of doing damage control because they know people are talking shit online about, you know, Lord Miller and uh, Ron Howard coming in. What does this mean? Is it a mess? Is it whatever? But wait, let's if we have the people at con say that it's actually a home run, then you know the average people in the street will go, well, shit. If it's good enough for the con crowd, then then it's got to be good, right? I can get right. excited and again. And, and there's not much difference between that and the people that they like. Like, right. it, it's weird. It, it's I don't like these early, like, get people talking about it on Twitter ahead of time because you can always kind of tell the type of people, you know, like, of course, they invited, like, people from, you know, CBR.com to go to see, you know, Batman Superman ahead of time. And, of course, they loved it. And now it's going to be a good movie. But then, of course, it wasn't. And it makes me worried. You know, they kind of did that with Last Jedi with the people that were at the premiere. And, of course, Last Jedi, I still think overall most people seem to have liked it. But... But if, you, if you're getting know. a ticket to the premiere as a press person, you're having the time of your life. You know, you're seeing like, look, right. there's Anthony Daniels. Like, there's Mark Hamill. There's all these freaking awesome people. And now, Frank Oz, what does this mean? And then you're in the theater and go, yep. oh, my God, I was there. I lived it. It's like the first time we all got to see the Force Awakens trailer at Celebration. Yeah, and, you know, of course, w- when it comes to these kind of early screenings, the thing you have to keep in mind about, like, who is going to just be honest and say whether they liked it or not or who's going to say they liked it because they want to keep in good graces is – whether or not it's an obligated, like an outlet that's obligated to be invited back in the future. Like Los Angeles Times, for instance, a newspaper, they're always going to be invited to these things because reviews have to come out in those papers, you know? Whereas like, you know, a very niche blog or nerd pop culture centric thing doesn't have to be invited back in the future. So obviously they're going to want to have to say something good. Right. Like, for example, if we got invited out to see Last Jedi, Matt, they would never invite us back for anything ever again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> probably. Although, you know, like, you never know until you have that blaster to your head. Like, maybe we would have thought Last Jedi was the most subversive, amazing movie we've ever saw. <laughs> I just, I just, you know, yeah, the environment's a little different, too. Because when you're with that kind of weird, exclusive crowd and you see all these crazy people there and you, know, you are seeing something different. I will give Last Jedi that. It is definitely different. You know, so the Cannes Film Festival, I'd like to see who gets to see it there. And then figure out where the actual reviews probably will end up. <laughs> the entire audience is filled with members of the 501st. <laughs> and they just leave going like, fuck yeah, I'm a trooper! <laughs> like, <they're just> like, <laughs> I've already made my own costume. Yeah, half, all half the costume. audience are already there as mud troopers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, we actually do have some early reviews already, which is crazy. Um, this is weird. This is super weird. But the chances of this, this has to be at least a little true. The film is being scored right now, and a couple dudes have taken a Twitter saying that friends of theirs have seen it and that it's, quote, really good. And these dudes are the creators of the Star Trek-themed romantic comedy Free Enterprise, Robert Mayer Burnett and Mark A. Altman. Now, when I say Star Trek-themed romantic comedy, you should rightly go, what? <laughs> that, what? I don't trust what they about Star Wars. Why, why should that matter? That sounds fine Sounds, what, what, what is that i don't know what you mean these dudes are actually like they're out in hollywood doing production gigs and other stuff they are in the industry to a degree and it makes no sense for them to be on twitter actively lying to people so here's what was said 
Burnett said, folks, a very trusted friend who saw Solo in a very unfinished state at a friends and family screening said it was really good, had everything you wanted to see, even how the Falcon interior got so dirty, and even Alden Ehrenrich does a fine job. In fact, the only criticism he had of Solo was that there was no way Alden Ehrenrich could ever be Harrison Ford, yet he has his own take on the character. Although the secondary cast is so fun, Lando and Chewie specifically, Ehrenrich is sometimes overshadowed. Yeah, Chewie's finally going to be useful, it sounds. It <laughs> sounds like. Someone didn't get the memo that he's a piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. That comment about everything you wanted to see, even how the Falcon interior got so dirty... That's exactly the kind of movie I don't want to see. I know. Like, I, I know. like yeah. every detail. Like they, they literally just went through every scene of the Falcon and Han throughout the entire original trilogy. And like we need to explain every single one of these things. Who installed the chessboard? Did Lando have it like there? Is that standard? If he buys, or is that if he buys a Dejaric board, I'm going to walk out of the theater. <laughs> Matt, I'm going to hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> Lando's like, I had that specially installed because I'm a gambling man. Han, does that thing come standard? Nah. Extra. The Kazans didn't even have to write a movie. It's probably just a series of scenes. Wow, Lando. Leather interior. He really uh, sprung for the good stuff. Well, you know me. It's just this fucking shit that no one cares about. Like, how does he he buy the remote? Why did he buy the remote droid? I'm sure we'll find out. Yeah. (laughs) The one question I would want answered is Does Han dress like. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Like Lando, or does Lando dress like Han? <laughs> and I'm willing to bet Han dresses like Lando. Mm, I don't think so. Then why does Lando I mean, dress like Han at the end of Empire Strikes Back? I think it's because he had to evacuate Cloud City without a suitcase, and he needed some clothes to wear, so he just went into Han's wardrobe. So that's a decent that's a decent theory. But the other theory was that Han Solo was always wearing Lando's outfits because he won the Millennium Falcon from Lando. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're going to get a scene in this movie where Lando's standing in front of his wardrobe after he loses it and goes, I got to you know, give you my wardrobe, but when I get this shit back, I'm taking it back. I think it's you know, that, like, just so we know no, it's why gonna be he's like, wearing. It's got to be like the beginning of the Titanic where like Han needs the Falcon to get away really fast because people are after him and that's how he wins it from Lando. And he's just like, well, at least let me get my clothes, Han. He's like, nope, got to go. And he's gone. Do you think at some point during the heist, because, you know, it's Lando's ship, but he knows Han's the better pilot, which is why, you know, he's piloting in the trailer when all four of them are in there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he he's Han has to do his part of the mission. Do you think Lando's going to be like, why do I have a feeling it's the last time I'm ever going to see her? 
Like, do you think god. we're gonna get that oh, one? Oh god, please don't! Just I don't. Just no, I'm no. just telling you the cat. The cat's like that's my nightmare. Like, Everything you could ever want <laughs> in this movie. It's uh, all here. I I, I would it, rather every of, night. Every night this keeps me up at night. And instead <laughs> like, of I, I, instead of Lando sleep. conceding oh. that Han's the better pilot, I would rather it be that at that point Han had already won the Falcon. So he's like, it's my ship. I'm flying it. Oh. It's my ship. And Lando's like, damn it, Han. I know this ship better than you. I can get us out of here safely. I've, I flew the ship for years. No, nope, it's mine now. Suck it, Lando. And <laughs> just has him sit in the back while they're about to fly into certain doom. And that's why he's like so freaked out. As you'll recall from our prior episode, I flew out to Los Angeles for a press junket that did happen, but ultimately, after being confirmed, it was unconfirmed. Well, and we have sparse details about it. It does appear that it was mostly international press and uh, and other things, so on and so forth. Nothing came out from there yet, except a day prior to us recording this, a single video came out, I think from an Italian outlet, with a dude interviewing Alden Ehrenrich on video. Like, so this was on YouTube. It was taken down in less than 24 hours. It was a relatively nothing interview, but there were, I was going to take some notes. I hadn't yet. It's gone. I didn't save it. I didn't record it. I don't know that anyone else took notes from it. Um, so n- absolutely nothing has come from this international press junket. We don't know how. We don't know why. And we do know that when something did try to come out, it was taken down. Um, My gut tells me everything's embargoed until the trailer comes out tomorrow. It seems probable now that we have that announcement. And I'm curious as to why. <laughs> yeah. But there really wasn't much to it. I mean... Alden Ehrenrich confirmed what we'd already suspected that the George Lucas, the much publicized George Lucas visit to the set where, according to Kathleen Kennedy, he basically directed a scene for Han Solo. He was like, no, he gave us a note. He didn't direct a scene. Come on. Gosh, they spin everything so hard. Needlessly so. George, the George. It's a a good scapegoat if the movie stinks, like George ruined Solo, too. (laughs) Oh, God. What what scene did he direct? We're going to figure that out. You know, (laughs) he, he already ruined three films. You don't need to be needlessly cruel to the guy oh you don't count crystal skull (laughs) (laughs) oh i went there (laughs) yeah so um and then also they mentioned filming in northern italy which i hadn't known was a location but i guess that's where a lot of the mountain stuff was done Hmm. oh that makes sense um but yeah i mean there there was there were tidbits there were there were little things but nothing nothing big it was it was what was neat was for the first time ever seeing an interview with Alden Ehrenrich talking about this film, which hasn't really happened yet, not in any kind of candidish way. I guess it may, maybe it'll come out soon, and maybe better interviews will come out soon, because it wasn't a particularly great one. You know, what, what was it like trying to be Harrison Ford? Oh, well, it was challenging. We had lunch together. Here's a quote that was regurgitated ad nauseum via Entertainment Weekly about how he said, tell him I told you everything. You know, mm-hmm. like, eh, sure. But it's it is it is interesting this whole process this whole weird international press thing that went down I I'm not sure what to make of it and I'm curious to see what does come of it when it finally does and will it be worthwhile or will it just be like why did they keep this under wraps exactly I got a feeling of the latter there just like why was this why, why is it being so tightly controlled we mentioned a Star Wars novel forthcoming um, called Star Wars Most Wanted about young Han Solo and Kira, and now we have a synopsis for it. Set before the events of Solo, a Star Wars story, Han and Kira don't have a lot in common other than not having a lot. They're street kids on the industrial planet Corellia doing whatever it takes to get by, dreaming of something more. They each jump at a chance to prove themselves in the perilous world of Corellia's criminal underbelly, 
only to discover that they are on the same mission for the same unscrupulous boss. When the job goes disastrously wrong, Han and Kira are on the run from pirates, a droid crime syndicate, the Empire, and their boss, and will have to learn how to trust each other if they're going to survive. See, on a galactic scale, they have a shit ton in common. (laughs) they're, They're both... Caucasian humans from the same planet, from the same economic, you know, level. Like they have around the same age, in a galaxy where there's so many aliens and freaks and whatever, they have a lot in common. Let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. What I'm more interested in are the later sentences, such as "Droid Crime Syndicate." That yeah. makes that that little line right there immediately says, "Cap, you kind of you want to read this book? This sounds yeah. like a lot of Droid fun." Crime. Droid Crime mm-hmm. Syndicate. <laughs> Droids that like to. Be criminals has always intrigued me most. I think out of all things in Star Wars, it's a like, life of crime. How does that even happen? <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun when they try to rationalize it. Sometimes yes, it works. Crime is indeed the most efficient. <laughs> like, <laughs> why do you need money? You're a droid. <laughs> Gotta pay for the charging stations. <laughs> oh no, that's the best. Is the droids that are really in the credits? Like <laughs> what? <laughs> We've had a lot of odd behind the scenes gripes issued lately for example mark hamill spoke with ign about what george lucas had planned for episode nine now we've talked about lucas's plans for seven eight and nine in the past and how disney threw them all away and how prior to the ones that he gave them there were a number of other drafts that were just like a page or so of a, of the loosest outline possible right so we don't even really know what exactly mark saw but he did mention that he'd seen 12 page outlines for each of them and he said george had an overall arc if he didn't have the details he sort of had an overall feel for where the sequel trilogy was going but this one's like a relay race talking now about the disney era of star wars you run and hand the torch off to the next guy and he picks it up and goes it's an ever-evolving living breathing thing whoever's on board gets to play with the life-size action figures that we all are which i feel you mark i'm right there with you buddy it's the job, but God, it sucks. We've heard way back when about, you know, 10, 11, 12. So who's to say that any of these episode outlines were like the definitive spot of where they were going? Yeah, no, that that's true. Out of all the things that Mark Hamill has kind of like, I feel like he's kind of, I don't think he hates Last Jedi. Like I'm not part of that group, but I do think he has, you know, like issues about probably direction where his character went because I think he likes the rest of the movie. But I don't know. I, I'm surprised that he's still... Fitting in little things here and there. Well, you know, if if those early Star Wars scripts that I told you both about revealed anything, it's that George was making it up and he was changing many things as he was going along too. You know, let's right. like a, a so, twelve-page outline for Episode Nine or Episode Twelve. Yeah, I have no doubt it would change drastically if it was ever if it was ever filmed within a reasonable amount of time by Lucas. Right. What Mark did drop in terms of any kind of a concrete tidbit from whatever outline he read last, I can assume, is that he said, I happen to know that George didn't kill Luke until the end of episode nine after he trained Leia. Mm. So that's that. Out of all the things I've ever heard about George's sequel trilogy, that, that's a new one. So Was that after Anakin cool. and Obi-Wan were brought back to life? <laughs> here's here's a, 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 an interesting one. We've talked a lot about the... The mystery box that J.J. created in terms of The Last Jedi and how, you know, now he's he gave it to Ryan Johnson. Ryan Johnson took absolutely everything that had a mystery hanging on it and twisted it, either disregarded it completely or twisted it up into some other kind of thing. Um, 
and now JJ is picking it back up again and how weird that must be for him. Um, well, you, know, you say like JJ creating a mystery box, whereas the cynical part of me says creating a mystery box isn't creative. It's a lack of creativity. Well, be that <laughs> as may, he did. He did still, you know, make the conscious choice to to wrap to wrap wrapping to, paper around he, an empty box. He posed and a then say you figure out what's in this. He box. posed a bunch of interesting <laughs> questions, and I don't like the way he works. But in in the, in those in that regard, I, I I do not. But but even still, he created them, so that that much is true. Um, MTV News correspondent Josh Horowitz, who is the same guy who had that red carpet conversation with Diego Luna that we mentioned at this point, I don't know when, I don't know what episode that was, ages ago, shortly after Rogue One, where he said, hey, Diego, Diego Luna, is uh, Cassie Nandor going to be in uh, Han Solo? And then Diego gave this expression that was like, that made all of us collectively be like, holy shit, like, is he? Yeah, because he looked on like. <laughs> okay. I mean, he was basically like, "Oh shit, I've been made." Yeah. Oh my! Like it was. It was such a like. How the fuck did you? Ca- how do you know this? How did you catch me? Why are you asking me this kind of face? I mean, mm-hmm. it couldn't have been anything else. And we all fear that maybe you know I, either that's going to still be in the film, and we hope it is, or you know maybe it got cut when the director transfer happened. But how? Like how would the age? The age wouldn't line up. Maybe by the end of it, the the very last act of Solo that takes place immediately before A New Hope starts. Oh, God, I really hope it doesn't take immediately before A New Hope. They do amazing things with the facial CG now. Disney in particular with Marvel and, and Star Wars. And I mean, it's not even that they have to do anything. I mean, they just shave his mustache and he'll look 10 years younger. Come on. Come on, Doug. The texture, the smooth face, the baby yeah, face. The, it's like, you, you the, chance to have, the chance to have Cassian with potentially in a scene with Jabba would be the best thing about the Disney Star Wars. Yeah, but I just don't... Uh, yeah, do, do I want that scene? Yes. <laughs> do I think it belongs in a Han Solo movie? No. Anyway, Josh Horowitz, that guy, on his podcast, Happy, Sad, Confused, he spoke with Simon Pegg, who said, J.J. had a much different plan for Ray's parentage. Quote, I know what J.J. kind of intended, or at least was being chucked around. I think that's kind of been undone slightly by the last one. There was some talk of her... Uh, there was some talk of a relevant lineage for her. Make of that what you will. Simon Pegg, who, you know, is pals with J.J., but, you know, played Uncar Plutt in, like, one scene, basically. Uh, and he's in well, two scene scenes. as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, I'm, but he's still, like, they hang out, I'm, I'm under the impression. So he, he, would, know, he would know something. I mean, Maybe it, Uncar Plutt was her father. <laughs> maybe. It was just her mom taking off in the spaceship. <laughs> he got her in the settlement, and he wasn't happy about it. It's yeah. like he wanted the un- ship. Uncar Plutt and another really freaky, ugly looking alien, but they just made a beautiful person by mistake. Just too, fr- too. It just <laughs> that, canceled each other. The ugliness of both parents canceled each other out. And that's why they hate her. Cause, yeah. Cause they think she's ugly. And she, and they're, and they're, they're very attractive. Yeah. For, for their own species. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, if, if that, if that is in any way true, it's just more of a testament to the, the mystery box itself. And then, as far as other things we've discussed, we had extensive post-Rogue One uh, coverage talking about all the things we'd heard leaking out and, uh, and the portrait that was painted of what, you know, what went wrong, how the reshoots affected the storyline, how different pieces were put together. And for the first time ever, Tony Gilroy, um, the man who was given a writing credit but is ultimately the person who reshot the film for all the reshoots, uh, did an interview where he talked about Rogue One. It was on... Uh, a podcast called On the Moment with Brian Koppelman. He said, I came in after the director's cut. I've never been interested in Star Wars ever, so I had no reference for it whatsoever. I was unafraid about that. And they were in such a swamp. 
they were in so much terrible, terrible trouble that all you could do was improve their position. If you look at Rogue, all the difficulty with it, all the confusion of it, and all the mess, it's actually very simple to solve because you sort of go, oh, this is a movie where everyone's going to die. So it's a movie about sacrifice. It's all a question about why are these people going to sacrifice themselves and you need to motivate them with a purity throughout the way. I saw the purity that was missing. I saw, at least in terms of one or two of the characters, what the big fix was going to be. And, uh, and if you could do nothing else, do this. And I'm sorry, these quotes are kind of weird because he was speaking off the cuff and trying to be very careful with what he was saying. Yeah. Then he went on to say the, the gumption, the balls of Disney and Bob Iger and the people there to gamble on what they gambled on is astonishing. It was just a mess and fear. Hmm. He mentioned two characters, which is clearly like Cassian and Jen yeah. and that they're, they were fixed. And yeah, boy, there's so much. I, I, I just, I mean, I think mostly the thing, and uh, maybe this is the way we all feel right, right now is that still the thing we want most out of it now is we just want to know the story of how it went wrong because it, w- it was in the end a pretty good film and I'm fascinated by, by this, but they're not going to talk about it, frankly. It used to be, you know, oh, we had a bunch of trouble making this, you know, work of art. And now, like, we'd love to tell you about it because we're proud of what came out of it. Whereas nowadays, it's like, we'll hide it because for some reason that exposes flaws, which it'd be great if they were confident about Rogue One. I think Rogue One turned out pretty great. You know, I have some, you know, there's, I guess, gripes, but I really loved Rogue One overall. And it's aged well. And I wish, I wish these production diaries were public and you know, tell me about how difficult it was to accomplish the the many great things that you did. It was yeah. the f- first Star Wars movie that didn't have a Skywalker in it. It was a Star War in the truest yeah. sense. I liked it more than the t- the other two movies that they've made. It, it's crazy. Like, I, what Tony Gilroy was saying there, like, you know, if you just look at what he's saying, you could see, like, oh, yeah, it, you're, this does sound like a mess. But he, I don't know if he just has that older school mentality where the way he's talking about it, though, is, is like, but we came out of all those things and we did something pretty impressive. And, and, you know, he said the balls of Disney and Bob Iger and that it was a gamble and things like that. And it's like, so all of that was probably the most revealing thing we've gotten. And yet it makes the movie seem more impressive. So I don't know. I, I want more of that kind of honesty with what they're doing during production. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll get it eventually. If there was a time where I wasn't sure, but maybe, maybe we will. You guys want to do Willow Watch right now? Always. Willow. Nothing much new to report for Willow Watch aside from, hey, hold on to your butts. I'm sure we're going to see all kinds of interviews with Ron Howard once the interviews are allowed to happen for the press cycle for Han Solo. However, I just wanted to report that the uh, the free screening of Willow in the park here in Orlando, Florida slash Winter Park did happen. It was attended by at least 100 people by the looks of it. And there was a personalized introduction from Warwick Davis in the beginning of it. He was not there, but this kicked off the Florida Film Festival. I didn't realize that it was basically a, a day before the festivities began and that this was going to be kind of folded into a part of that. He had a video where he held up his Willow action figure and then went on these uh, these, these two stories that he actually kind of throws around a lot these days where he's like, I want you to look for two things. First of all, uh, there's a scene where uh, the, <laughs> the involving a water tank that I, I almost drowned trying to make and I had to learn how to scuba dive and go through this whole story that now at this point... The three of us and everybody who's been listening to State of the Empire the whole time know very well the story of the fish monster and the deleted scene that's on the Blu-ray uh, that's now impossible to get a copy of. <laughs> and um, so when 
if you're going to come back from Finrazal's Island, there's going to be a wipe, and Will is going to have wet hair, and he'll be down an acorn. You won't have any idea why, and here's why. He called it a continuity error, which I thought was interesting. He seems, he seems a little bitter about how much effort it, t- it took to film. He almost drowned. I know. And now then they cut it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and, I'd and be bitter. I've actually, it made me wonder. I was thinking about this during the film. There are aesthetic problems with that sequence mm-hmm. because the fish monster doesn't look good, but it's an angler, and the, its angle is a creepy little ghost boy walking on the water. Yeah. And it's great. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, there's no reason to do this, but could they perhaps make an expanded edition of Willow that would actually be quite good? Or do we have the best version? Because they, you know... Well, also, ultimately, does that really add much to the plot? Well, it doesn't, but it it makes the adventure bigger. Yeah. 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 Because there's one other impossible feat that Willow overcomes on his journey to becoming a hero and, and facing his fears. So in this in the structure of things it is unnecessary and no one's missed it in, in all of its 30 years. But on the other hand, I think like it is actually a very well done scene and everyone who did it thinks it's a shame that it had to be cut though many rationalize that, you know, for timing, for pacing, there is a reason to trim stuff even if you sacrifice a lot to get there. Mm-hmm. But the other component that I think would be really good and would make willow perhaps even a little bit more lasting would be and i don't know if this fits in right i don't know if they have the coverage for it or what is the scene where uh sorcia sees her father yeah tira's lean yeah because in watching the film that that would help her turn this is the first time i've watched this movie uh in a while and since i went on the the (laughs) the fool's errand of reading the chris claremont novels um which we'll get to later this year i assure you um (laughs) but uh, Sorsha, Sorsha is a great character, but her and her, I think, you know, this is the, this is the first time I've watched the film since reading the Willow source book mm-hmm. and reading the Willow source book. It, it works all the expanded universe magic you could ever want. Yeah. I mean, I know so much about like, like why, why is Volkar, Volknar like want, like why he steps up immediately because he's an adventurer. Like I know who he is, you yeah. know? Uh, and with Sorsha, I know what she's endured, and I know the backstory of Bavmorda, and I know why Bavmorda is a threat. Um, and and Sorsha, you know, like wants to please her mother, but then this one, why, we, in the context of the film, with just using the film as the only text you have, Mad Mardigan gets hit, hit with a love potion, and and says, sp- says he loves her, speaks poetry to her, yeah, and Melts then her heart, and and she's and then she she stands like she this this extreme warrior. After that, it's just kind of like standing staggering in the snow like, what the fuck just happened to me? Right. But think of how transformational that was. No one in her entire life since yeah. being stolen away from Tira's lean has spoken words of affection to her. Yeah, ever. Ever. Yeah. And like that's what does it. And that's why even in, in all of her like her, her – that's why she – she you, you notice when they're going through the, the maze, like the stone maze leading to Tears Lane, which doesn't really appear to be – that's another thing that got cut from the film. Like you don't really see that for what it is, that rocky terrain that they're yeah. on horseback through. Um, she's allowing herself to be captive. And once Mad Mardigan pisses her off, she very quickly – Yeah, she thinks, oh, it's a lie, just like people have lied to me before. Yeah, yeah. She, she was there on purpose to see where is this going. Yeah, like what's like all that – because she even says, like, what was all that talk, you know, whatever. And he's just like, oh, it went away. It went away! It's just like, like a complete flip after and, that. And you have to remember, she, then they, they get to the tier, to tears lane. They have the big battle. The Ebersick shows up. And then – She's watching she, him fight. She sees the heroism of Mad Mardigan. is like, whoa, I <laughs> – 
I kind of had like a pity crush on this dude, but he's actually kind of hot. Yeah. Wow. Um, and he said, he did say he loved me and I think he meant it. That's so weird. And, um, but the fact is, is and that in that fight, she sees her father. She realizes where she is, like these memories from being a child. Yeah, this is her hometown. And and realizes like the cruelty of, of what her mother's done. Yeah. And sees that like, oh my God, there is another way. Has an awakening. And that is a hard thing to convey in a short window of time in the midst of a big battle scene that would be hindered by this sequence. Yeah. But what happens instead is this uh this female character who seems relatively well defined on screen inexplicably becomes a romantic turncoat for no reason other than this guy gave her the time of day. And there's so much more going on there. Yeah. And I love that I have this knowledge, (laughs) you know, based on the source book. I love that it was able to do this. I want them to reprint it so other people can enjoy it or something. Um, But, but I would love for Sorsha in the, in the body of the film, in the context of the original text to, to actually have the arc that was written for her. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It actually kind of reminds me of, uh, and I don't think it was the Attack of the Clones novelization that did it. It was something else. It, it's the reason why I buy the Anakin Padme romance in Attack of the Clones, despite uh-huh. its like ridiculous speed and like you know suddenly confessing that you know she loves Anakin, that sort of thing, is because the two have had very very weird upbringings, right? Because from the moment, you know, she became queen as a teenager and then a senator, and it's just been all duty, duty, responsibility, responsibility. And then, you know, probably wasn't taught the way things usually work for teenagers and puberty and, and liking boys and or liking girls or, you know, whatever. And then Anakin's kind of the same way. He's and a so slave. That, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's basically a slave. Like, he goes from being a slave to another type of slave. And, you know, from, you know, for Watto to for the Republic. And he isn't taught about puberty and he isn't taught about, you know, his feelings. And all of a sudden you throw these like two attractive people together on this mission and to protect each other. And then it's just their hormones go crazy yeah. and they don't know how to rationalize it except to just say, I love you and then get married. Yeah. They, they've and, been repressed their whole lives. Yeah. And it doesn't help that the, the writing was terrible and the acting was terrible. But if you're in their head, I think it works a lot better because they don't have normal upbringings that we can like necessarily connect with one-to-one. Like, you know, their, their arc within, a, within the movie is a, it, difficult to grasp, but like when you have that expanded material, you can kind of see how it works. Hmm. I've, I've uh, seen fan edits of Attack of the Clones that do wonders for their relationship. Yep, me too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I will have to go into detail about fan edits some other time, but... The one that springs to mind is the Phantom edit, or uh, it's a, uh, it's a Attack of the Phantom. Yep, uh, mm-hmm. and that that one does great stuff for their relationship. Yeah, it, it insinuates that they sleep together on yeah. Naboo. Well, and, also, and it's like, like the, yes, it works so well. No, it's perfect because like that scene where they're walking on the balcony in the in the original cut, it's she's like, oh, we used to go play on that island and whatever. And oh, I hate sand; it's so coarse and it gets everywhere. And then they like they kiss, and then she's like, no, I can't. I'm a senator, and he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And then there's like an awkward, you know, <laughs> dissolve to something else. And this yep. fan edit. They're walking kind of quiet, and she says like, "Oh, we used to go play on that island when I was younger, you know, and it was it was nice or whatever." And then they just get quiet, standing at the balcony, and then like he like touches her, you know, and like looks at her. Then she looks at him, silent, and then he looks at her, silent. They lean in and kiss, dissolve to something else, and you're like, "Oh, damn! They 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 did it! 
they 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 kissed that i wonder if this means that they're together for forever you you forget about it dissolve to later anakin is staying on the balcony in his pajamas (laughs) and he's like meditating at the sunrise and she comes Mm -hmm. out in like her silk nighty and is like I heard you yelling last night. Did you have a nightmare? It's like, oh yeah, she's got, shit! And she's got like she has the like must up hair from yeah. sleeping and everything. Oh, God, and like so good. And and it's great because it's like yeah, she, they finally got a chance to relax for a moment, and then yeah. you have people doting on one another that they've never experienced before. Like you're saying with with Willow. Yeah, and you don't like, have that it makes scene. Sense. You don't have that awkward scene of Anakin begging for like, please, you're in my soul, tormenting me, and like yeah. it's just that scene's gone because it just insinuates yep. that from that moment on the balcony onwards, that's it. They're together and. They've, they've doomed themselves because no one can know. And then you buy it so that later when they're in the arena, they're about to die. And she goes, before we die, I just want to tell you, I actually really do love you. Like, it's not just sex. You know, like this actually means something to me. And then they're like, oh, shit. And they get rolled out. And you're like, oh, man. That sounds so much better. It is so much better. <laughs> yep. And then before that, there's a deleted scene. That he this the, the editor reinserted a deleted scene where you get to meet Padme's family. Yeah. And they're mm-hmm. like, what's the deal with this Jedi? And she's like, oh, we're just friends. And the mom's like, honey, I know that look. You're not just friends. No, really. Ugh, whatever. You know, and it's, uh, man, what could have been? Yeah, and I don't know that we have enough coverage to actually insert these scenes into Willow and create a bigger version. It's just right. what it'd be like I don't think we have enough of the glue. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting practice that I would really encourage someone to look in to see if see see if it actually does fit together. I'm I don't that's nothing I have time for, but maybe you could. And encourage people to at least wa- rewatch the movie again and kind of look at it from a different angle of Sorsha getting that affection for the first time. I mean, it's kind of significant. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not just a crush. It's like she's been top dog for Bavmorta for a long time, and and has done horrible things for her. And, and people hate her, or they begrudgingly fear her. No one has ever said "I love you" to this woman. It, it's it's like Bavmorta's spell was treating her like dirt. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> and the spell was broken by the dust of broken hearts. <laughs> <laughs> Without you, I dwell in darkness, and it went away. <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> So anyway, thus ends Willow Watch. Now, we're about to wrap things up, but before you go, we want to tell you that State of the Empire is brought to you in part by the Nerdy Show Network. We record in Orlando, Florida in the Nerdy Show Studios, and uh, all the the fun stuff that we do with the show uh, is actually funded by Nerdy Show. That's not something that, like, we're... The Consequence Podcast Network is just getting started... Our State of the Empire funds are still coming from uh, from Nerdy Show. So this uh, meal that Doug and I ate, uh, that was... Um, out of pocket. And uh, if you want to help support us, there's some ways to do that. For example, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdyshow. Uh, or you can even give us a one-time donation if you go to nerdyshow.com slash support. That would be amazing. Help us help us offset certain business costs. We also, of course, like paid Zantilla for the theme music that we are now using. Uh, Maximum Rebo, which is amazing. And you should totally go to Zantilla's Bandcamp website and listen to his other awesome tunes. Money helps a lot. It does help a lot. We're obviously going to try to get advertising on the show. That's a thing. But, you know, we're, we're, we're ramping up. Funds are required. If you can help us out, it would mean a lot. And if you support us on Patreon, there's a ton of State of the Empire bonus content on there. And other stuff from Doug, Matt, and I. But if you don't want to spend money, well, we could cer- we'd certainly love to spend a little bit of your time. If you rate and review us on iTunes, that would be incredible. There are too many Star Wars podcasts out there. There's more every single day. And if you think we're one of the best, well, you are legitimately, really, for real, for true, our only hope. There's no other way that we're ever going to amount to a hill of beans in this cockamamie galaxy without you helping us get that exposure out there. 
For example, we have a review from someone called Dial Up Modem. The best Star Wars podcast. Cap, Matt, and Doug really dig deep into Star Wars movies, shows, comics, and all. They offer great suggestions, dive deep into the lore, and are really funny too. Plus, they have Willow Watch. Where else can you find a micro podcast about Willow inside of a Star Wars podcast? Fucking nowhere. <laughs> I, that's actually that's a guarantee. I don't think you you definitely will not find that anywhere else. You will also never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. But also, you will never find a Willow Watch micro podcast inside of a Star Wars podcast. We are a Lucasfilm nesting doll, <laughs> which would be a great Christmas gift for me. Please commission <laughs> Russian artisans. Starts, starts with Chewy, ends with Willow. <laughs> the littlest. Oh no, end with the brownie, doll. wouldn't it? End with oh brownie. yeah, yeah. Oh man, you know I just want to see a Willow nesting doll now. Yeah. I, you don't fuck, fuck Damn, Star Wars. Yeah, man, start with the Ebersick and then like work your way down in General General Kale and so down, down, down. It's down. got two heads. How do you do that? Yeah. Well, well, just paint it on, and then you end with Willow, and then inside Willow you got the brownies, and inside the brownies you got uh, the fairies. So yeah, rating and reviewing us on iTunes, boy, that is a very, very, very good thing. Please do that. Also, check out Podchaser. You can rate and review specific episodes. And of course, if you leave a review of any kind anywhere, we will read it. Also, follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find State of the Empire, a Lucasfilm podcast, our Facebook page. And if you be stout of heart, you can go to the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group where we post all the most spoilery things that we find. But also, we're on Twitter at Willow Watch underscore because the other willow watch is about will smith's daughter and now it's time to open the blast doors you know i just had like the realization like some of the things behind the blast doors might by this time this comes out might be okay in front of the blast doors (laughs) yeah maybe open the blast doors open the blast doors now i hear in the last jedi novelization they mentioned that han used the gold dice in the falcon to actually win the falcon Yes. And I don't know how Sabak is played. Uh, in the video games, you don't play it with dice. You play it with cards. Yeah. 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 That's how I remember it. it. I mean, it could be a card game with dice. It could be a thing. I'm not sure. They can rewrite the rules at this point. Or maybe he just doesn't win with Sabak. Although I want to say it actually mentions it's, it's, a very, it's a variant of Sabak that uses dice. Really? Interesting. Mm-hmm. So basically, I think the presence of the dice and all of the marketing for this movie means that all of the uh, Last Jedi questioning how prevalent were these dice actually in the original trilogy, like maybe I missed something and I was afraid to admit that I missed it, is actually they're just going to make up for it in Solo. They're yeah. going to make these dice important retroactively. I, I mean, that could have even been a seed. They're like, whatever you do, just include the dice. We spent a lot of money investing in these mm-hmm. dice. We're going to merchandise the hell out of them. There is what I think might be a bookmark or something. We'll link to a picture on this episode's page of uh, of some kind of promotional image that is Kira holding the dice. She's going to blow on the dice, and he's going to roll it, and he's going to win. Are they and, her dice? You know, though? also, I, they're her earrings. <laughs> what, what's crazy is actually, because, you know, I was always embarrassed to admit that I had, like, I knew the dice existed, but I never actually was able to notice them in A New Hope. And now that I've actually gone back, the dice in Last Jedi and Solo look way different than the ones in A New Hope. Like, they are, like... yeah. The ones in New Updated Hope are just significantly. Yeah, the ones in New Hope are just literal dice spray painted gold. And I bet you they digitally change them. Mm. Probably. Now they're going to be focused on so much. So that's mm. a weird component. Like, how much are the dice going to be a focal point in this film? And it seems like at least a little bit, unless that's been changed in between cuts of the film. It could easily. They will be there, but how much? So now, in closing, let's talk about Infi's Nest. This has been an interesting development. First, we knew Enfys as just 
a nemesis, an unnamed nemesis for Han Solo. And then we got this very strange, very not great name. Now there's a French language trading card that was leaked uh, that uses female pronouns on the back. It says, Enfy's Nest, an extremely dangerous marauder, has quickly forged an infamous reputation for herself and her gang of pirates, the Cloud Riders. Enfy's Nest is not her actual name. Her name is actually Enfy. And the phrase Enfy's Nest refers to the nest that she makes back on Jakku so she can lay the forest egg that will eventually hatch and become Rey. This is the true origin story of Rey's parents. I'm buying it. (laughs) You better after all the complaints. (laughs) Well, I mean, as long as as long as it turns out that Enfy's Nest is turns out to be nobody and and is just selling that force egg for drinking money. (laughs) It's just like (laughs) Uncar Plud is like, I want a force egg. I hear it's the most delicious. It's like, why would you want a force egg? So I can make a two moon skillet. Got one force yeah. egg already. <laughs> hmm. I love it. <laughs> now, uh, Star Wars Newsnet had some more details about Enfys. They have a source who confirmed before this card was leaked that said Enfys Nest is female. They also went on to say it's not a big role, but it is important. The actor worked closely with Woody Harrelson and is signed on for two more movies, presumably solo sequels, which is an interesting statement. But they're not saying who plays Enfys Nest. No. They're not saying. The rumor is that it's the actor Lily Newmark from the TV series Emerald City. Um, But there's also another rumor that it's someone who's still not listed on Solo's IMDb page. So we don't know. And presumably whoever... It's Johnny Depp! I mean, I would say... In all likelihood, whoever is in that costume is someone who's a stunt performer. And who it's more about... Takes the helmet off is, you know, it's going to be whoever. Or, yeah, or never takes the helmet off but is voiced over by somebody, you know. But what's interesting is the thing about the solo sequels. Now, that's something that we've talked about quite a bit in the past. But given how the only thing that's been greenlit is Ryan Johnson doing a series of films and a trilogy of films specifically and the Game of Thrones dudes doing an undetermined amount of films in a series and... uh, John Favreau doing a television series. There's no, there's no, I don't know if there's going to be solo sequels. I mean, this was. Oh, a, don't kid yourself. If this thing makes any money, they're going to make a solo. Well, sequel. but we, we've said that we think that the a Star Wars story thing is going away with this film. If this thing is a hit, like they want it to be, if it's good. I, it sounds like they're covering, it's got everything you could want, Doug. Yeah. It's got every, literally, <laughs> everything they, they spared nothing. It's all happening in this movie. It takes place over th- at least three time periods. I don't know how they're going to make other ones. I think maybe Enfy's Nest could be in other movies. But also it could be that they thought they were going to, and now they're definitely not going to. It's true. Like the Universal Monster uh, Cinematic Universe? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. They thought they were going to make The Bride of Frankenstein following The Mummy for some reason, and now they're not going to. Mm-hmm. They also said that she is not the central antagonist of the film. She's only a villain for part of the movie, but important for her portion of the film. She's Belloc? Yeah. Or Jabba the Hutt was a comparison that was made. Hmm. Um, you know, Jabba is the threat for the first act of Return of the Jedi. I envy's nest. Come on. Come on. The great the, texture. The armor, the yeah. texture. I need to discover. And li- likely all of her scenes are on that one same planet, the one that has the mountains and the beach. It is neat to have this, uh, uh, what is hopefully a better handled uh, female armor wearing villain than Captain Phasma. If Enfy's Nest is cool... It, w- it would not be difficult no. to handle better. And what are they? The, 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 the Cloud Racers? What are they? Cloud Riders. Cloud Riders. 
They definitely take them fights to the skies. They're right in the clouds. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, I tentatively have some high hopes for Enfy's Nest. Dumb name, but I think there could be something cool here. I'm, I'm really, really excited to see what happens. And I hope that the Cloud Riders like, continue to persist in being major components of this film's marketing. If that's what they're leading with, then holy crap, we got ourselves a badass on Solo movie. Mm-hmm. So we will see you in two weeks with an all new State of the Empire where who the fuck knows what's going to happen. <laughs> Any, literally anything. Yeah. We, we, we just when you thought recording on the weekends was safe. No news could possibly come out. Yeah. Surprise. Who, who's, who's getting their own trilogy next week? Find out. <laughs> it's the Watto trilogy. <laughs> Directed by Ron Howard. He did so good on Solo, we had to give him more to do. <laughs> it's going to be Splash starring Watto. <laughs> Wait, is Watto the mermaid or is Watto the Watto's Tom Hanks? Watto's Tom Hanks. <laughs> so who's the who's Uncar the Plutt is the blobfish. No, the come- Bogullet. <laughs> the Bogullet. <laughs> the Bogullet, it turns into a beautiful Tredarian. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a Bogullet. You wouldn't understand. Who's going to go on to, of course, be the Toydarian who runs the toy shop in Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. Yeah. The female Toydarian that they've promised us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's all one big universe, everybody. It's all one big shared universe, and it is immaculately assembled. Everything fits together. Something about poetry and rhyming. Yeah. yeah. State of the Empire is a production of the Consequence Podcast Network. Check out our expanding roster of music, film, and television podcast programming at consequenceofsound.net. This show is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida at Nerdy Show Studios, home of the Nerdy Show Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. Discover more at nerdyshow.com. Our theme song, Maximum Rebo, was written and performed by Zantilla. Find more awesome tracks at zantilla.bandcamp.com. Special thanks to our Bothan pals in the Star Wars Spoilers Facebook group, the Nerdy Show Network Patreon backers, and by Slicer Droid Blue Max. Sure, he was just a glorified blue cube that fit inside his droid pal Bollocks' chest, but that precocious little droid helped Han and Chewie liberate prisoners, murder slavers, and find lost pirate treasure in the corporate sector before the events of A New Hope. Let's see L337 do all that. Actually, that sounds great. Yeah, you hear that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The sound of progress. <laughs> That uh-huh. pop rocks in the mouth thing is like the most intense ASMR thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like I think we have we have the next podcast. Is Star pop Wars, Star ASMR. Wars. I was gonna say Star Wars ASMR. Just like yeah. <laughs> shh, quiet, Han. We're hiding in the spice vines. Let me take those chains. I have to break the chains off of your legs so we can run. Carefully, quietly follow me as we're going through the spice mines. <laughs> right, softly. We gotta keep our voices low. We don't want the Empire to hear us. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, Han, I want you to uh, uh, take off your pants, <laughs> and uh, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna. But, but first, let me uh, let me put this uh, this in your mouth. I here. put some there spice. Put some spice in your mouth first. Put spice in your mouth. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> oh, it's good. That's good. Uh, that's, uh, uh, now I'm going to test your reflexes here. Oh, uh, cough. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 